0: Hello and welcome to All Four Quarters, your one-stop shop for news, views and overreactions to all things NFL. This week we're mostly focusing on the upcoming draft, we're going to have a look at some of the top prospects at all the different positions. We're also going to take a quick look at some of the news that's been happening in the NFL so far, and then we'll be looking forward to our mock draft and our live coverage of the draft itself, which is going to be horrendous. So hey guys, we've got myself, Connor, we've got Harry. Hi, how you doing? And we've also got Ronan. Hello. So how's yourselves, lads? It's been a while since we did our last one of these. Huh, hasn't been? Yeah, it was a couple of weeks anyway, yeah. yeah. Time flies on a lot with you, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, it was good fun. What are yourself, Fits Any crack? Yeah,
1: you know, keeping it lit, you
0: know. You, mm. uh, re- you recover from the Galway weekend yet?
1: Uh, mostly, yeah. a tired, <laughs> but... Yeah,
0: we're yeah. down for a bit of a weekend session in Galway. Oh, uh, now it's uh, Tuesday, and everyone is now 100% back together again, I believe. Uh, there, are thereabouts, anyway. did yourself, <laughs> Harry, Any you should the weekend.
2: No, no, it was uh, quite enough. Had a few people over, but uh, none of your romping off down the west. Ah, yeah, nothing like it. Nothing like it at all.
0: I suppose we'll hop on in because we've got quite a lot to get through this week. We're going to have a quick look at a few bits of the news. So, I suppose the first one to kick us off is uh, a horrible story surrounding Saints player, Saints ex player, uh, Will Smith, who was shot to death during the week. Um, it was after a, a, a road rage incident it would appear to be, uh, something involving cars hitting into each other and it escalating, uh, him being shot several times, his wife being shot twice in the leg. Uh, so obviously this is a terrible story. Uh, fortunately, it's something that happens a little bit too often in the States, I think, with the proliferation of guns and all that kind of stuff. He was a very well-considered player. He'd
2: be remembered well. Uh, like, Put it with yourself, Harry. Any thoughts on this? It's, it's, it's just sad. I mean, it... it doesn't really matter how good of a player or how bad of a player he was. Obviously he was a good player, so people I think are paying more attention to it than they would otherwise, which is in and of itself that's just how things go. But it's a tremendous it's just a tremendous waste uh to see somebody who is relatively young
0: hmm.
2: uh be just, you know, killed for essentially no reason. And um yeah it's just it's a big shock.
0: That's it, jay yeah, He was only mid
2: thirties I believe and uh I
0: think uh I was also reading that he'd just been uh unanimously selected to go into the uh, Saints Hall of F- uh, Ring of Fame which is um, unfortunate obviously and uh, again just kind of a bit of senseless
1: violence Yeah it's, it's just a tragedy and obviously uh, you know the political angle like they're probably won't be watching it but Sean Payton came out and said some things hopefully there's get like a many blowback from right wing idiots but uh, yeah. Yeah, it's just a tragedy it's gun control probably does make sense mm. hashtag Talkable <laughs>
0: Yeah, it is very much that thing of like road rage is road rage, but it's it's certain other elements that allow them to escalate in that way. And maybe it's time for a bit of introspection. We'll move on to some slightly more po- well, i say positive news. Rule changes, <laughs> exciting. Um, yeah, no, nobody's died. That's yeah, positive for me. You know, a, that's a plus. Uh, so we've seen changes to well, we we've already discussed the changes to the ejection protocols. We were discussing that before they were made official. So they've pass through. A um, couple of small ones here. Uh, chop blocks are now being made illegal. Uh, horse collars now being extended so that can be called a little bit easier on pulling on people's jerseys. and uh, Touchbacks are now being moved forward to 25 yards uh, presumably in an effort to stop returns a bit more. Any of these particularly strike you, Ronan?
1: Like I think the chop block is like not the... Uh, I forget what the name of the other one is but this is the one where they have to be engaged and then they go for the legs. Yeah. Like, they, you can still go for the legs, it's just they can't be engaged with the defender. Uh, there's some calls uh, within the O-line community that, uh, like, there needs to be another referee then making sure that defensive holding isn't happening in, like, between DL and OL. Yeah. Um, But the most, like, the biggest one is probably the change in kickoff. Like, that had a massive, like, when they moved the kickoff spot up by five yards that have a pretty large effect on kickoff return, like the lack of kickoff returns that we've seen over the last few years. However, there are some people speculating that this could lead to a lot more people attempting to kick the ball into the kind of dead zone in front of the end zone that was going to become a lot more like punting. Yeah, coffin Uh, corner kickoffs. Exactly. So if that turns out to be the case, then obviously the rule will probably be reviewed. That's why it's all a one-year review, so... If that happens, it'll probably get cut. But the obvious thing happening is that the NFL, like the special teams play uh, on kickoff and, and punt returns, is the most dangerous part of the game. And it's slowly being phased out. And that's mm. what the league wants. Uh, you know, it doesn't need the things, like the negative press associated with that. Uh, like, for example, uh, like there's a couple of players, like um, uh, Ricardo Lockett for the Seahawks, like nearly died effectively on the pitch yeah. last year uh, because of a kickoff return. For player safety, special teams is obviously something which will probably get phased out, which is unfortunate for those people from the edges who've made a career out of it, but yes. probably for the best long term.
0: Yes and no, because you see, the problem with this is, and I was, I was listening to some very good feedback on this from some uh, some coaches we were chatting on another podcast, and they were discussing how a lot of the... Injuries to players on kickoffs, they're not the guy at the back line. It's the guys who are the front line blockers who are trying to block people as they're coming at them because you only take a three or four step drop and then you return in to block a man. You don't look behind you. You don't know if it's gone for a touchback or not. All of those hits still happen. All of those people are still going to be hitting each other regardless in the scenario because they don't know if someone's going to try and return a ball. So I don't think it's actually going to have the level, especially if we think people are going to play that kind of coffin corner kickoff stuff. Like, I don't see this having any of the player safety uh, implications that they, they kind of want it to have.
1: If touchbacks become the norm, like the intensity of those plays will probably decrease at the time.
2: Yeah, like I. I think there's a couple of things here. Obviously, all of these rules are player safety oriented. Um, obviously, cut blocks which is what you think of, are still allowed, Chop blocks, because again, leg injuries, horse collars again, because of potential danger, it's now grabbing the main plate, and this being the big one. Firstly, I don't know about the coffin corner thing. It's a lot more difficult to do when you can't kick the ball out of bounds, which you can't do on a kickoff. I think that gets the ball moved to the 40, and that's not good. Um, so that's going to be a lot more difficult to do. Yeah, they're still going to be engaging, and yet this. Still going to be uh, those impacts at the front, but what the NFL is doing here is this is about the high, the more high velocity impacts, the more spectacular ones, like the Ricardo Lockhead thing that Ronan points out. Special teams will still exist on punts; st- you can't really eliminate that kind of probability. But it's about sort of taking away one of the most visibly dangerous plays, and I think there's an element of, and I agree with you mm-hmm. that injuries will still happen. But what this is is this is this is the most spectacular kind of injury that happens when people get hurt blocking and stuff, it really looks the same as when a receiver gets absolutely cleaned out of it, which is a very... Sorry, returner gets cleaned out of it, which is a very visibly violent and visibly physically impactful play. And there's one other aspect to this, which is that bear in mind, it's still at the discretion of players whether or not they're going to return. The kick is going to still go as far as it did last time. It's just the touchback point has moved forward. So I don't know if you're necessarily going to see that sort of um, people playing it less hard, uh, as roden mentioned, because towards the end of games and you're, def- you're just trying to get yeah. yardage... People are still going to make the decision to return the kick, like they mm. still do with the uh, line being moved five yards forward.
0: No, of course, and like this is the thing. I don't think anyone who is like a marginal player who's on there because of their special teams ability, because they're a returner, are going to necessarily give up a chance to return a ball uh, when their probable future career ends. But my problem is, if they just want to get rid of these, why don't they just have essentially punts to start the game? Why don't they run a punt from the thirty? Why don't they just get rid of the whole kickoff scenario and just run it as a punt?
2: I think they're doing it as a by, by degrees. I mean, I think in an ideal world, for the sorry, kickers from a public perspective, <laughs> you know, they're trying to, just, you know, they're trying to reduce. They can't just be like, right, we're just going to totally change it. So let's make incremental changes here and there, and that makes a wholesale change mm. more acceptable. One thing I actually, just want to pick up on there is you said, yes, kickoff returners are still going to try and make those plays, and so on. The guys who are properly endangered by this aren't the returners; they're guys like, for example, Matthew Slater who has been one of the best special teams players in the league for a very, very long time. He's not a returner. He's a gunner. Guys like that are the guys, or Nate Ebner would be another example for the Patriots. Those are the guys whose roster spots may now be affected by this. Mm. And it'll be interesting to see how uh, how that plays out if this rule gets continued. I wonder if it will actually have a massive impact, personally. I think that we'll probably still see the same amount of stuff going on that we do to a greater or lesser extent, and we'll probably still see somebody get hurt returning a kick, because we will. No, of course, of course. Uh, so moving on,
0: the next point we're going to chat about is uh, hard knocks has been decided. LA Rams. This can be boring as
2: fuck, right? Well, we might see Jeff Fisher's torture dungeon.
0: Oh yeah, <laughs> we might finally see what he's got on the management to keep his job. Yeah. <laughs>
1: On the on the whiteboard and blurred out like it's blurred out. It's just like, but you can tell it's seven and nine. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> no, it's a uh, like I just we, we say this all the time about it. We always gonna go because it's 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 rarely very good teams that are on it. It's normally kind of mediocre teams. Uh,
1: well, that's it's by design, obviously. If you if you've been in the playoffs last year or you have a new coach. Uh, you're excluded. So. Well, no, you
0: can still choose to do it. Yeah, but oh, no, well, no. yeah. I don't
1: think any... Like, there's very few teams that would choose
0: to do it. Yeah. Every team that's been on it in the last four years has chosen. The NFL has not forced a single team, so far.
1: Yeah, but I think, like, the... The shitty
0: teams are also the ones that want exposure, I suppose. <laughs> Sorry, LA Rams, but You <laughs> suck
2: balls. Um, yeah, I suppose that it does make theoretically make it more interesting. Cause, I mean, imagine you did it with like New England or something; it would just be, oh, it'd be unwatchable because that's mm-hmm. that's the nature of that organization, the successful organization, with the Chiefs as well. I imagine it wouldn't be that interesting. Now, the Seahawks mm-hmm. might because Pete Carroll's a nut job, but <laughs> the idea is you have that tension between the Texans of that um, rebuilding thing. Now, obviously, it can backfire. Like the Atlanta season was just mm-hmm. well. There was, this is the full. thing, though. Like you, you always find
0: either players you don't know or like bits of staff or something that you enjoy. Like, there was funny bits in that. But for the most part, it just made you go, yeah, those Falcons are a really boring football team. Like, although there was hilarious watching um, the manager watch, at the time go like, we're we to be tough. We're going to be out there. We're going to be fighting. And then like, one of them throws a punch, and the thing's like, "You can't
2: be fighting!"
0: <laughs> oh my, but yeah. So, um, so we'll be seeing a bit more of the LA Rams. Hopefully, they pick up some players and make it a little bit more interesting because uh, it's not a huge amount of watchability on there right now. Although I suppose the whole back end of moving to a new city, that kind of stuff, uh, will, will be interesting enough. Also, it's LA.
1: What
0: what
2: celebrities will turn up?
0: Oh dear.
2: Um, so there's a part of Jared Cook. Actually, he would have been entertaining at least. Mm. But uh, I'm starting fights and shit.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm not like I, this is the thing. As much as I kind of go, I'm not that excited. I'm definitely gonna fucking watch it, like because it'll be oh. it'll be like you know I haven't seen football in five months. I'm like, look, nope, it's almost football OTAs. <laughs> <We're> <laughs> oh um, boy! Like, the one thing, there's no JJ Watt ever, so there's no one going to like dominate the
1: whole. Yeah, thing. there's
0: not that kind of crap
2: again. Mm. Oh god! Yeah, that's what we learned from JJ Watt is just a giant weirdo. Hmm. <laughs> And so full of shit. <laughs> <laughs> JJ what? Rapping, sitting on top of a truck. T- like. Yeah, just like, oh god, is this is what I do every day, guys. Is it?
0: Fuck you, smug cunt. Hustle. Gotta show
2: hustle. <laughs> Probably can come
0: after you. I suppose, before we move on to uh, our look at some of the new players entering, we'll have a quick look at a few more free agent moves that happened since we were talking to you last. So it was a good few but we covered off a lot of them in the last show. Um, the most recent one, I think, is probably the uh, movement of Clady to the Jets. The Jets have taken Clady and a seventh round pick off the Broncos. and uh, The Broncos get a fifth round pick in return and obviously get a lump of cap space freed up because I think that takes about 11 million off, off their cap. Clady's not counting for that against the Jets. He's restructured as he went across, so I think he's six with a max of nine. What do you reckon? Fitz, is this a smart move? Is this a move that allows the Jets to now try and pick up your namesake?
1: <laughs> like that's probably the hope, but it was also a desperation because, well not desperation, but uh, the British Chef Ferguson, obviously their long uh, like standing bookend retired, so they were kind of like left tackles, are obviously at a premium mm. and uh, this represents a, a you know a cheap way to, to try and get a stopgap there, like Clady's had massive issues with injuries over the last few seasons but this is a fairly like for for a left tackle, this is relatively low risk. You know, half necessity, half uh, opportunity. Uh, like I imagine that they'll they'll probably draft an O line in the like this year and the next year. Yeah. Uh, because like people like Mangold are also getting like cut along with the tooth. So I think like they they had like a good draft of O line for a long time, but there's there's changes a knock in there. And in terms of like Ryan, like if it's magic, uh yeah, like this will probably open up some space, but I don't think it will resolve it too much. I think. You know, I think they'll I think he'll eventually sign with them. That's what that mm. team wants, that probably what he would prefer.
0: Yeah, no, of course. The retirement of Brick, obviously just big passing for those guys. He's played with them for ten years now. He only missed one snap in the entirety of his time with them, so he played I think it was like 1,277 snaps out of 1,278. And the one he didn't play on was a trick play where they brought in Daryl Rivas to play left tackle, (laughs) which I thought was a very interesting one to see. Uh, Obviously, brake has been there for a long time, so it's sad to see him go. Very good player. Probably could have stayed on and played, but they were looking for him to take a pay cut. And I think very similar to Megatron in that respect. He said... Look, if I'm not playing at the top of my game, there's no point in me going through this. Uh, so I think he's happy to go out on top and possibly be looking at a couple of accolades down the road as well. We'll see. Uh, he'll definitely almost, well, he'll almost certainly be in the Jets' hall uh, yeah. and then we'll see anything beyond that. I'm going to go to you for the next one, Harry, because he's uh, one of your boys you've been touting for years. My boy. Freddie Morris is now going to be running RB2 for Dallas behind Darren McFadden. Is this something that has you excited
2: Uh, No, because I hate Dallas. Uh, But uh, if I were a Dallas fan, yes, absolutely. I think Freddie Morris has shown that he can excel in his own blocking scheme. Dallas run, probably the best zone blocking scheme behind some very, very good linemen. McFadden is, well, he actually had quite a good season last season, but he's not reliable. He Mm. breaks a lot. Morris is a guy who can can, uh, very easily churn out 1,000 yards plus given the opportunities, which he obviously wasn't last season, but we've seen him before he can. I think he's a good fit down in Dallas. But Dallas do run the ball a lot. And we saw, obviously, when they overloaded DeMarco Murray, obviously his decline then in Philadelphia. So I think they've still spread the load a fair bit last season between a variety of running backs. I think they're going to do something quite similar. And I think between McFadden and Morris, they've got a balance of guys who can do different things, uh, but both fit the scheme quite well. So, yeah, I think that's actually a very smart move from Dallas. And they were able to, I'm surprised he hung around that long in free agency, to be honest with you. But, uh, no, it it is actually a, a great pickup that could really, really work out for them. And uh, yeah, again, like if that, Dal- again, like every year, if Dallas can keep Tony Romo healthy, Dallas can go to the playoffs. Yeah, no, of
0: course. Um, and we'll be interested to see. We'll be talking not on this one, but maybe the podcast afterwards about the potential for them to be drafting Tony Romo's replacement this year, hmm. which uh, could be an interesting move for them. Uh, the Brandy. next one we're going to have a quick look at is uh, a quarterback. Pickup of the century. Uh, RG3 has decided right. he does not want a career anymore, so he's become the starting quarterback for the Cleveland Browns. He's joined on at quite a cheap rate. The staff were initially not saying that they were super pumped to have him in their building, uh, but have now since said uh, he blew their socks off uh, when he came down and uh, did his first workout for them, and they're now planning to. Build the offense around them. This is also a team that I could well see picking up another quarterback in the draft. Uh, In fact, if they don't, I think they're morons, but it is
1: the Browns. (laughs) (laughs) I suppose, Fitz, what are your thoughts on this RG3 move? I, I get why they did it. It's a risky move, but like, they don't really have too much to lose in the quarterback and it's insurance, I suppose. Like, obviously he had a lot of talent and he, he, he like, the, there's a lot of special tape on, like, there from like, was it like three years ago, four years ago now? Like, Orgy Tree. Last time we saw him on, on the field, he just, he's he lost it. He didn't have any mojo. He, he looked afraid to be on the field and it's always hard to get back. To what he was like, it'll be impossible. I think I don't think it'll work. I don't think it'll work out, but I don't think it will matter for the brands because they will draft their quarterback in the future. Uh, yeah, this year, even if it's not, even if they do somehow skip it in, in the early rounds, as we talk about early, uh, probably talk about next week, uh, I still reckon they'll pick someone up who will probably be at orgy tree uh, at some point this season. I think the idea is he. I think he's the fall guy, honestly, uh, for someone else to develop behind.
0: Yeah, no, entirely could be, and then the final Jack, one. The final one that we've got is kind of, uh, it's another quarterback one, but it's not a trade. It's a nearly happened trade that's still possibly still going to happen, but people are now not sure if it's going to happen. The 49ers have been looking to try and get rid of Colin Kaepernick for a while. They had a slight problem when it got to April and he was guaranteed $15 million because uh, he ain't worth $15 million. The Broncos were reportedly very interested in him, but only if they could offset and have uh, the 49ers pay $5 million of that contract or if he was to renegotiate the contract entirely with them. He has said no, he does not want that. The 49ers have said no, we're not going to pay $5 million to have him not on our roster. So that's currently not happening. A lot of the rumour mill is that with Clady's salary gone, they can now look at this and offer a little bit more, if not meeting all that five million. I don't know. It seems like desperation stuff out of the Broncos for me, for like this pursuit of, like because they've pursued Osweiler, who we talked about last week, and I don't think anyone would think is the hottest you know, quarterback in the league. Uh, Kaepernick is a chap who, while he's had some success in the past, has been terrible for two seasons, and they've... Signed Mark Sanchez.
2: I don't know. I'm starting to lose a bit of faith here. What do you? What, what? are your take on this, Harry? Don't sleep on the Sanchez on this one. Genuinely, um, like with that defense, and we've seen a good defense leave Mark Sanchez to the playoffs before. Because kill me. Yeah, it, it is a bit. and I mean, like San Francisco, like everyone sort of fucked this up. Kaepernick doesn't seem to want to do anything. San Francisco dicked around essentially until the uh, the sort of uh, the, the guaranteed money kicked in, which made no sense because. Chip Kelly, because San Francisco's front office, because of everything we know mm. about Trent Park and Jed York, the Broncos just don't don't want to overpay, which is totally understandable. But that's the quarterback market. If you want to get someone on the cheap, it's not going to happen. Look at what Ryan Fitzpatrick is demanding for having a pretty solid season. In fact, why didn't the Broncos try to sign Fitzpatrick? I think I think, I think, think
0: they've already they've already
2: said that he's too pricey for them. <laughs> See, this is what I mean. They, <laughs> they're trying to catch somebody on the cheap, but it just isn't going to happen in this market. Things Kaepernick is, and I can't blame him in some ways, is perfectly happy to stay in San Fran, compete with, remember, Blaine Gabber for a starting role and who collect... He, his, sorry, who, who he lost the starting role to? Yeah, I, I know that. <laughs> but I'm saying, like Blaine Gabber is somebody you can <laughs> probably win the starting role back from if you in any way regain your ability to play football. Hmm. And also just collect his money. Kind of a difficult situation because I don't think Kaepernick really cares where he is as long as he gets paid. Um, and neither team strictly wants to pay him. So you've reached this impasse. And somebody's got to... Basically, somebody's got to blink... It's not as if San Fran hold all the cards here, which they should do, because the Broncos' situation at quarterback is non-existent. It's that San Francisco, I think, while they're sort of trying to offload Kaepernick, I think in a way they're also sort of not that keen on it, uh, if it costs them anything. Because then they're, basically, yeah. they lose any depth they may have had at quarterback or any potential from that. Or a guy who could potentially work out in Chick Kelly's system, and they're stuck with Blaine Gabbert and I don't even know.
0: I've heard a lot of talk about the idea that if the 49ers get a quarterback in the draft, then they will immediately trade Kaepernick and happily take a fourth-round pick for him. Uh, Get his money off the books, get him shifted to someone else, and get an extra player in the third or fourth round. What what do you reckon on that?
1: That's a bit Kevin Costner to me, but... uh... No, because there's no second
0: round picks involved.
1: (laughs) Well, yeah, like like that's always it's always possible, but the big stumbling block is the cash and like basically telling like saying okay, trade them like you need like this sounds like the kind of thing that someone needs to budge and it's going to have to be the Broncos and I don't think they are. I I just don't think there's any teams that are like uh, interested in that in paying in paying that much for someone who just I don't think I don't think I think most of the league. Isn't that interested in I think the Broncos were literally just kind of like, look, like our defense is so good that we can build it. Like we can basically do what we what they did in San Francisco for those first few years, where we covered up by having a good defense. Like, yeah, I, I don't see it happening.
0: Fair enough. Like my 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 only thinking on that, and you know that way, if you think about anything for long enough, you can start to think of reasons why. If they were to unload them and then they've got a role of playing playing and then get someone, that means that they're then exposed to that quarterback market that is heavily inflated and they don't want to be there with six million being paid for someone to play somewhere else. If they have someone else in their house that they know is only going to cost them four million uh, for the next four years, they can have them sit behind Blaine for a year or, you know, that rudimentary four games before Blaine gets benched. <laughs> uh, They don't need to worry about spending five million because having seven to eight million tied up in a quarterback position is not the worst scenario to be in. But having 22 million tied up in a position where seven of that is going to cover someone else's wages at another team, I think that's an issue. And that actually, surprisingly enough, brings us on nicely to the next section where we're going to start looking from position to position through all the different spots that will be coming up in this year's draft. So I suppose, uh, given what our discussions were on some of those free agent bits, our best bet would probably be to start off uh, at the quarterback position and have a look at what uh, what we think the main prospects coming out are and what we think the best options would be for, for teams looking in the draft. But I suppose I'll kick off with yourself, Ronan. Uh, when you're looking at these quarterbacks, who has you interested if you were a team uh, with such a need in the first round?
1: Like for me, probably Jared Goff. He's played in the top. The top division in, in, in college, like he's played against the elite defenses in the college level. You know, he, he's looked good. He's looked able to play the game and look good. Like he's played a fairly pro-like offense. Like there's a reason that Goff was the favor coming into the kind of pre-combine kind of situation. That's because he has the best tape. He has the best experience and he's done it against the best players. And I think like when I look at some of the other players, um, we'll obviously probably talk about them next. Like I, like I would always personally go for the safer pick. Maybe he wouldn't. He doesn't have the prototypical. Size Good old boring thing. Fitzpatrick. <laughs> <laughs> like he doesn't have quite the same like you know uh, physical uh, attributes that you might look for in your elite quarterback. But you know you're probably better off going with a player who's um, a player who's solid and who can like play well for you, like the Matt Ryan's, like the Andy Dalton's. Mm. Rather than taking a risk, especially for these teams who will be looking at someone like this, it, it, it's not the most exciting play, but that could also be an advantage since that will probably at least dampen some of the hype that is expected from these first round talents, uh, from these high first round quarterbacks. I, I think he'd be a good player, and I think you're getting a good, solid uh, player to build a franchise around. The yeah,
0: no, no, like I, I, I get it, he's a pretty good guy, like got good arm strength and that kind of stuff. He's like he's got the height and that, but he's he's a little bit. He looks a bit breakable to me. Like he he's you know six four two fifteen, but like he's not stocky. He's not. He doesn't look like he can take a great tackle. Like if I'm looking at this, I don't think there's a huge amount of talent in the first round for like immediate plug and play starters. So I'd be looking for someone who has all the physical traits I want and I think has the ability to get good. I'm gonna go for go 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 a little bit deeper again. I'm gonna go for Paxton Lynch in this. When I look at Paxton Lynch, he's 6'7", he's 244, he looks like your prototypical quarterback and he's got space for more weight, like he's, he's a chap who can be solid, like a little bit like a Ben Roethlisberger, kind of like big fella who could take a hit, like he's touted for his football intelligence, for having a great arm, now I agree what you were saying about Goff, that he had he's played against better talent because you know, most of Pax and Lynch has been against lesser competition, but like we saw what he did in that game against Old Miss. He did a very good job. He did shit the bed against Auburn, but like he's a <laughs> guy who has played well against top end talent. He's got everything you look for physically in a quarterback. And the feedback from all of his, uh, from all of his coaches is that he's smart. He's got the arm, like just because he wasn't playing against that talent doesn't mean he can't. And if you're looking at a guy you can sit for a year or two, like he would strike me as who you'd be
2: wanting to go for. Yeah, I, I actually the first, the very first thing you said, uh, in that it's not actually that talent to draft a quarterback, but I think we're going to see quarterbacks drafted high because teams have a oh, need. There's going to be and three or four in that first round. To, absolutely, and they're just trying to they're trying to plug guys in. Uh, from that perspective, like I'd probably be inclined to say that like Goff is probably the most pro ready kind of guy, but I think if you're looking at somebody as more developmental project, I actually think Carson Wentz is very very interesting. Um, you're looking at a guy there who played in... He didn't actually play, obviously, in, in the top... He was in the Missouri Valley Conference in the FCS. FCS. Yeah. So playing, like, basically at a lower level than these guys mm. would have done in, in theory. Obviously, you never know how these things will pan out individual to individual. But if you look at a guy who has, like, that sort of prototypical... Like you say, the prototypical build, the prototypical uh, ability to play, his arm strength and ability to read the field is quite remarkable. So it's a guy, like... If you say that there's a guy who's actually comfortable doing play action who doesn't necessarily rely on playing out of the shotgun a huge amount like Goff did.
0: Mm.
2: I think there's a guy there who you can coach up and is when they've already got some of those experiences and shown that they can do it in those schemes and do it in a do some of the more complicated things and perhaps do some of the things that require a little more challenge And you're going to see in the NFL. And I don't think he's going to be the best guy immediately. But I think if you look long term over a few years, this is the kind of small school talent that you can see really, really develop in the NFL. That you seem to be able to do different things to what the top guys do. Because the top guys quite often get in a situation where they're, they're really good at something that makes them just dominant. So they do that whole thing, and then they get into the NFL, there's so many different things to learn. But we are saying, right, all this guy needs to do is adjust to the talent level fundamentally. I think that's going to make him one of the most interesting prospects.
0: No, 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 of course. So obviously there's there's a lot of other chaps, and we will be talking about things. We're going to do a, a mock draft uh, next week as well. But we're just going to fly through a couple of those guys. So is there any other names you want to throw out, guys, just a one-liner about them, or will we move on from the quarterbacks? I once saw Christian Hackenberg play. He was okay.
2: <laughs> oh yeah, yeah we did see him
0: play. Yeah. He was okay. <laughs> yeah, he's gonna be like uh what, like a day two maybe slipping the as fire as day three kind of guys. he's, he's round three is kinda of where we're thinking he
1: There was a lot of heat around him when uh the Texans were looking quarterback free due to his O'Brien connection, uh, yeah. Yeah, but since that people seem to have gone off him and then uh, I think Connor Cook is the other one who's got yeah. a decent track records but kinda of, kinda of doesn't seem to be making any uh, light in, like doesn't, isn't just seen as an NFL quarterback like just a good college quarterback maybe not to the next level no of
0: course of course um, we'll move on to the guys that then Keep those guys upright. We'll have a look at some of these offensive linemen. So we could split this down quite a bit, but I'd say we'll just have a chat about a couple of different prospects here. There's a few in this draft, although it is a much more heavier on the defensive side. Um, I'll throw a couple of names out here. And Ronan, if you want to pick one of them and give us a bit of a lowdown on them. Uh, The top four or five I've got on mine across the offensive line are... Laramie Tunstall from Ole Miss, uh, Ronnie Stanley, Notre Dame, John Coughlin, or Jack Coughlin from Michigan State, uh, Taylor Decker from Ohio State, and Ryan Kelly from Alabama. Is there any of them guys that kind of stood out to you?
1: Well, like I'll take the boring pick again and, and talk about Tunstall. <laughs> according to the scout and according to the tape, he's a complete player. He's, like He's been comped to Tyron Smith, obviously the uh, Dallas uh, bookend. And he's he kind of seen as a plug and play left tackle who should be able to make it there. Now, obviously, we've seen in the past that these, uh, that these, uh, offensive tackles taken in the first round, taken at the top of the draft, don't turn out quite the way they are. Obviously, Connor, you're quite familiar with that with Eric Fisher. Yeah. Um, that year, there was some debate between him and Jokel, but this year, I guess Tunzel is the only one that people are really talking about. He's seen as a complete player, ready to plug and play and ready to protect, uh, side, Like, there's not really much more to say than, you know, he does his job well because offensive linemen, hmm. you know, they don't do a very sexy job. There's no real sexy statistics. They're yeah, just no, of course. Doing like, your job well.
0: I would I would have I, like I do have some concerns obviously he's got a bit of a his, injury history. Uh, he's missed several games for several different things knee injury, ankle injury, uh, a couple of bits like that which would concern you and he was arrested in college for an assault case involving his father, but the charges were dropped. maybe that's a plus for some of the coaches so he can really tap into those daddy issues and get into to fight in the field. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what about yourself, uh, Harry is there anyone you want to have a look at there?
2: Yeah, I, I think Ronan's by the way, bang on. And this is the thing. It, it, it's such a risk-reward thing with linemen because you never know how they're going to transition. And I think that reason, one of the one who I think is one of the one of the better picks is uh, Jack Conklin. Um, simply because he does the basic stuff really, really, really well. Mm. He's a tough guy. He's not like the most athletic, in inverted commas, uh, lineman you're ever going to see in your life. But um, we saw him do some play some very impressive games in college. Um, Obviously, DeForest Buckner, who we'll discuss later, he handled him in the game against Oregon. What you have in that is you have a guy who, like, when they're able to do the basic stuff and when you're able to, as an O-lineman, be like, right, okay, you're not going to perhaps be dealing with perhaps the more complex stuff as well as anyone else, but you've got the basics nailed down right. That's the base you need to get to the NFL level from, and that's the base you build on during the season too. It's like, right, you know how to stuff the run. You know how to pass protect. Now we're going to work with what you do in open space when things break down, people get out of the pocket. Now we're going to see what happens when you face double moves, counters, things like that. So I think that that's what you actually sort of really want in a guy. It's somebody who's impressed, but somebody who's shown that the fundamentals are so, so sound that you have a base to build everything else on. So I think that's, um if I, again, Tunsil is, yeah, probably going to be the first lineman gone, almost definitely going to be the first lineman yeah. gone. But I think Conklin is the one to watch because I think he's just got a much higher floor than mm. everybody else did. And I don't, he's one of the guys, he might not turn out to be a world beater, but he's definitely not going to get a bust. And sometimes, mm. even in the first round, <coughs> that's
0: what you need. No, of course, bizarrely, I'd, I'd have very similar stuff to be saying about uh, Taylor Decker. I think he's one who's got a, like, not, a, not the biggest ceiling in the world, but, like, a really, really, really high floor. Like, he's an immediate starter. He's probably not going to be top three in his position, but he could easily be top ten. But the one that I'm thinking, and I was I was in a coin flip between these two, I'm going to go with the one that I think is more likely to be in the first round, which is uh, Ronnie Stanley from Notre Dame. Uh, Notre Dame, however you want to say Notre Dame!
1: Notre Dame!
0: Get her done, neuter game. <laughs> uh, like, this boy is a big boy. <laughs> he's uh, he's 6'6", 3'13". Uh, he's played both left and right tackle in college. He's got a good big frame, very quick feet, and he's aggressive as fuck. Like he will plow people over. He's got he's got his downsides. Uh, My notes here say uh, I did an awful lot of watching tape and work today. Um, (laughs) He can he can play high a little bit because he gets aggressive. He sometimes because he's six six kind of bears up on top of people and then that can make him lose a bit of his leverage. But like. So, he needs a little bit of work on his technique, but like really physical, great prospect, real natural talent at the spot, and like has no problem getting out there and charging if they want to do a bit of run blocking as well. So, he's great. The one I will mention before we move off though is the center, who I think will be the first center gone. It's Ryan Kelly from Alabama. This guy was the freaking like, offensive line captain in Alabama, like, hasn't allowed a sack in two years. He's been playing phenomenally well, but uh, there's a concern about his injuries in that he had several of them and he's already had a concussion, which I think is going to drop him to the second or third round. But that chap is someone who, if you could get in the second or third round you're looking for a centre, would be great, great, great value. Um, what we Actually, what we'll do is finish out the offence first. So we'll look at uh, wide receivers and tight ends, and then we'll take a quick look at the running backs, and then we'll shift over to the defensive side, because that's one that gets a little bit more fiddly with some people transitioning from ends to outside linebackers and, and back and whatnot. Uh, so, wide receivers. There's a couple in this. There's also, I, I could only really see one tight end who might make it into the first round. At that, that, I don't think he will. Uh, Harry, do you have anyone you want to kick us off with on this?
2: Uh, since roland has been being boring when given the first, I'm going to be a little more interesting. I'm going to talk about the tight end, Henry Hunter. I assume you're talking about Henry yeah. Hunter. Interesting, because you say he's not going to make it into the first round, and generally it is it is unusual to see tight ends taken in the first round They're really underrated investments, you know? Mm. And I mean, you look at the impact of, obviously, Rob Gronkowski being the recent example, but say, even take a Jason Witten or a Heath Miller, who's just a guy who can just be big and tough and stick around for ages. Mm. And I think what we've seen from Henry Hunter is he can be that type of player. He's super consistent. He's really good as a run blocker. Not so much as a pass blocker, but that's... shit penalised over him in the NFL that's, for the way he line blocks. That's, <laughs> that's college tight ends. That's <laughs> going to happen. Like, that is going to happen. That's a lot of college O-linemen. Uh, but he, he can do... Again, he's, he's a great run blocker. He's very strong as a pass catcher. Right. Surprisingly agile as well for such a big guy. And he has yeah. sort of got that prototypical frame of a guy who you want to oh, yeah. be able to block. He's 6'5", and he's, 250 pounds. And, and he's
0: also, like, from what I saw today, he's got a bit of space. He can put some extra on if he wants if they want to kind of up that block. Absolutely, really,
2: they like, can. Yeah, so he's... He's big and he's physical and he's a guy who can you know catch in traffic and get those contested balls, which again is something you need uh, if you want if you want to succeed as a tight end fundamentally. So he's got that sort of level of consistency. And yeah, he's not the best pass blocker in the world, but that's almost it's weird. That's almost a luxury for a lot of tight ends right now that we see coming through the game and yeah you like you look at there's there's very few tight ends who are like elite. Pass blockers who are considered to be number one tight ends. I mean, you look at someone like Jimmy Graham, for example, who just can't pass block to save his life.
0: I no, I, I agree with you entirely. Like he does have a lot going for him. Yeah, uh, I, the only thing was is like Arkansas play a lot of like multi tight end sets, so they get a lot of coverage in that, and he hasn't got a huge amount of red zone targets. But that's do. it. He is a great catcher. He's a great second level blocker. And like I think, especially if, especially if it was something like say the way the Pats are transitioning to like a two tight end set, and people are trying to emulate stuff they used to do before that guy went to prison. Um, <laughs> You know, <laughs> allegedly. Well, I think we, I think we don't need to use allegedly for that because no, he,
2: he's been found guilty <laughs> yeah, in a that, court of law, that. so that would kind of. Although I suppose we, kind of, we, we,
0: we, we we have to qualify which 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 subsection of the crimes because I don't think they've all been prosecuted yet. That. <laughs> Oh, that's a good point. Like, uh, he's definitely been done for one murder. I think is there another two coming up? Is that yeah, the, something that along those lines. But um, um but yeah, he he'd be great, especially if he had another tight end to play alongside as well and kind of yeah, mix. Yeah, it, it up. is, and I,
2: I will say, like, I mean, he's definitely going to be at least sort of top of the second round. We I mean, look at a guy like, for example, like Max Williams going last year in that mm. position. He was probably less talented. I think there's every chance he sneaks into that back end of that no of back end of that first round. What about yourself, Fitz?
1: I take I probably take Fuller from from Notre Dame.
2: I love um, Fuller; he's a great
1: shout. I don't think he's a player that you can take if you're if you're desperate for wide receiver, like for for a number one wide receiver uh, with nothing else around him. But he's a player like Deshaun Jackson, who if you put him into a strong into a, a fairly strong like receiving core, his ability to blow the top off basically makes everything else easier for the quarterback for the rest of that. Receiving core for the running back from the entire other team. Like, I don't think you want to build hit your entire team, with it, but the fact is mere ability, like, basically, he's a speedster. He's like Deshaun Jackson, who I like, can make splash plays, who at any point can turn, you know, on your own 20, on your own 30 into a touchdown. And that's something which is always going to be of incredible value in the NFL. Like, sometimes it doesn't work out. Obviously, you say Ted Ginn, for example. Well, I think he came on a little bit, but I think that's the kind of thing that you're seeing with this player. The one on him, of course, is that he's a little bit slight, as the receivers yeah. are expected, and he doesn't have the roof running, which would make you expect that he could, like, have a lot of use. At, yeah, like, like he's he's at, built
0: he's built to be a burner, but that's not to say yeah. that he couldn't transition.
1: Exactly, but he's really good as a burner. So if you have a strong, like, a relatively strong receiving core and, and a quarterback that you can trust with a a decent arm, that's the kind of player who can keep defences honest. I cool. think the other big knock is that he's a he's a body catcher and that's always a big issue with wide receivers where yeah. they don't trust their hands. But obviously with the type of player that he is, uh like the hope is that there'll be a lot there'll be less contested catches than you might expect than with the average like uh, wide receiver no of course you know, if he beats them if he beats them he beats them and that's the expectation mm. for what you're getting with Fuller
0: yeah not to, not to give it all away but I'd say he'd be an excellent fit and a strong contestant for uh, being the Bengal selection in the first round this year like we can look at kind of, like, Corey Coleman's and Josh Doxon's and stuff like that but I suppose given we haven't discussed him Laquan Treadmill Treadwell <laughs> Laquan Treadmill that's <laughs> amazing <laughs> Leon Sandcastle, Le'quan <laughs> travel uh, from uh, Old Maze. great building size and position. Played inside, played outside. Great ball skills. He doesn't have the top end speed like, say, the, the likes of your Will Fuller has. But uh, and again, similar similar thing. He didn't use all the the whole of the root tree at Old Maze, Like they have a cut down version. Um, so there's some work needed there. He's a he's a straight up baller. Like he is he is a number one wide receiver waiting to happen. Uh, he has all those skills. He, in fact, and this is this is rarely a complaint you have about a wide receiver. He plays too physically, <laughs> like a full-on Steve Smith Like he's gonna draw some penalties because he's good at high pointing. He's a good physical player. He jumps and he shoves people out of the way at the end of games if he needs to to try and get balls. So we'll need to work on that. But like, yeah, I think strong candidate needs some work. But like, I think he is the best wide receiver uh, available in this draft at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, so I suppose the last section we're going to have a little look at then on the offense is going to be the uh, running back position. We'll see what we make of this. There was a couple of very interesting uh, prospects, some very confusing prospects uh, in this one. So I've got... Top four I've got on my list anyway are uh, Ezekiel Elliott, Derek Henry, Alex Collins, and Devontae Booker.
2: Yeah, um, well, since I took the other Henry, I'll go with Derek Henry <laughs> as well. Um, Divisive, yeah, I know, right? Uh, I would, it's fucking love to have this guy. If I was a coach, I would love to a have this fucking guy. bruiser, isn't he? <laughs> he just he reminds is me of watching like mid nineties football bruiser. He's everything like Art Blunt would be if like Arab Blunt was good at football. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, he's he, he's a workhorse. He's So powerful between the tackles. And he's quick. He's quick for a big guy. And that's perfect. That is exactly what you want. He's got top end speed and he's reasonably good in acceleration as well. There are still problems. He is still a bit too sort of Head down, North kind edge, of north-south yeah. kind of guy. He needs to get a bit more intelligent, like sort of following his blockers and reading things. And when he gets to the second level, what do you do in the secondary or against linebackers mm-hmm. and dropped uh, into hook zones? I think his general approach this, is bowl them over because he's two hundred
0: and fucking Exactly, bowl them over,
2: but that you know, in NFL it's it's, it's a <laughs> different ball game. But this is the kind of guy that you, you need. This kind of player in your offense. You need a guy who can grind the ball. M- well, most teams do need or want a guy who can do that. And when you've got a guy who has exceptional size and exceptional speed, and has also shown exceptional durability um, throughout his college career, despite having uh, a ridiculous amount of touches, he's managed to you know he's managed to avoid sort of breaking down in any significant way. That's the kind of guy you bring that in, that's going to solidify your offense. It's just such a nice piece to have as a number one running back because you can then, right, we've got everything else going on for us, but we've also got now something that can just bang up the middle, something we can build it around, not in the sense of everything goes around him, but like everything works so much better that isn't a banger when you have a banger. And mm-hmm. when you have a banger who is in and of themselves, I said banger like 17 times, such a oh. threat themselves to bowl over a guy or just break out north south. Because of that speed and because of that strength he has, that's fantastic. I think he's probably not the most intriguing prospect in the draft, but he's definitely. But he he fills a role that so many teams need. He's gonna go high, I think, um, and he's going to pretty much be successful if he's behind in any way of a decent defensive line.
1: No, of course, of course. Uh, Fitz, I'll let you take the second one on this one.
2: The consensus
1: number, like there's another consensus number one here. It's obviously D.K. Eliot. Like the hype around this fella is getting ridiculous at this point. Yeah. Uh pe- people saying, Oh, if Dallas gets him, he'll have a Hall of Fame career or some like other uh, ridiculous Barry thing. Very third <laughs> on the death chart. <laughs> <laughs> he had an amazing career like at Ohio, like he for the Buckeyes. Like he, he he basically he's the kind of he's a home he's a home run hitter combined with someone who's really physical. Like he's physical as hell. He was always someone who is willing to get physical, get like leaving the shoulder while obviously keeping the rock safe and absolutely like tearing it up, but has the, like, has the jump cut, has the pace to actually be like, when he gets a hole, take it to the end zone. Like I think it's the kind of all round, he seems to have like by all accounts, like most coaches, like most of the coaches and tape suggest that he's decent in pass protection, that he's a decent pass catcher, which is a major bonus. These days, uh, for a running back, like That's the one thing that the coaches are always complaining about for these kind of elite running back prospects, uh, they're no good in the, in, in, in the past game, but by all accounts, he's seen as a, if not at least, at least very good at that aspect of the game. Like the only question about him is that he played a lot in college. He has a lot, like a lot of miles in the clock. You know, you have to worry for running backs that that's the kind of thing where like if we're gonna build a franchise around this guy, and he's the kind of player that you would do that, is he going to be able to last his rookie contract? Like maybe you just want someone who can last for a rookie contract, but that's the kind of only worry that you would really have that when someone has played as much as he has, that there's inevitably going to be a wear terrible. If if he if he holds up, then there's no reason that he can't be at least prospect in the NFL.
0: I suppose I'll take the third guy here now. I um. I initially had Alex Collins as my third, but uh, I've moved on from him mostly because so he, he looks good, good, strong player, averaging 5.7 a carry, but he fumbled a shit ton in college and I think that's basically a no-go as it stands for, for players coming in. Especially so given that the, the holes they're trying to run through and the guys who are trying to knock that ball out are bigger and tougher than they are in college. I still think he'll be good. I think he can get better on that stuff, but I think it's going to scare off prospects. So I'm going to look at Devontae Booker from Utah. I thought he's a very interesting prospect. Some of what you were saying there about uh, Elliot is true of this chap as well. He's got a lot of miles on the clock. Great stocky, load of the ground builds, good acceleration, blows through tackles rather than trying from contact, which is something I always like to see. He's fast, but he doesn't have home run speed. If he gets into the secondary, he's going to go a good distance, but he's not going to turn on the jets and suddenly score a score a touchdown. He's a bit weak in pass protection, so he needs to work there. The main knock on him is that he's older, so he's 24, and he's got a lot of miles on the clock. Now, if I remember correctly, I don't have it written down here. I need to check this. I'm pretty certain he had one of the most ridiculous... Seasons I've ever read about of something in the region. Now I think it was it was might have been his senior year in high school before he went to college. Something in the region of like twenty seven hundred yards on the ground and forty touchdowns. Like the guys ran a lot. <laughs> So there's a lot on the clock, and he is 24 years old. I think he's a very interesting prospect, but potentially quite a risky one. Uh, didn't, he, didn't he fumble a lot last year as well? Uh, he might have done. I didn't really see that much when I was watching today, but as I was saying, was kinda, I was going through a lot of people today. Like, I had them very close, but six at the moment... Six Yeah, six fumbles, which is grand, because I think Alex Collins has something like 24 <laughs> over the last two years. Uh <laughs> Which is just despicable. But yeah, so I'd I'd go with him. There's a couple of other people that'll be down there. But I think for the most part, it's moved to it being tail end of the second and into the third. The people are mostly looking at running backs now. So that's uh, a sad time for them for their first deal. But if you do very well, you can still get paid. Uh, Let's move to the defensive side of the ball, will we, lads? We start up front and move backwards from there. We'll go uh, D-line to start. I'll let you kick this one off. Fitz, uh, so like ends, tackles... Uh, hybrids, whatever you like. Uh who's who's taking your fancy?
1: Yeah, like I'll take uh tackles first and I'll take uh let me see if I can pronounce this correct Nekam Dicidin Dice? Uh you know, Oh Robert. Robert. Yeah, Robert Big Bob, <laughs> Big
0: Bob <laughs> Big Bob, <laughs> <laughs> Bob Nekem Dice
2: from Old Miz.
1: Nekam DJ, yeah. I, like I kept I kept trying to I think the I think the, the N is silent
2: on those names. I think oh, Diche or something like that, yeah. Hang
1: on. Um but well, yeah, like
0: do not Google how to pronounce that. It'll be a lie and it'll be hilarious.
1: <laughs> Steve. <laughs> well, this is player, like, someone who probably plays in the tree technique who is a, is disruptive from the middle. This is the kind of player who you put in the middle because they get to the quarterback from the middle. Like, he started as a defensive end. He was moved inside. And his entire, like, the entire table in the is disruption, disruption, disruption. The reason I kind of focus in on him is because he's been linked with the Seahawks a bit. He, he, he like This is the kind of player that we're looking for with all the losses that we have in the defensive.
0: Rony, surely the Seahawks should be looking at someone for their offensive line.
1: Uh, yeah, but they don't really
2: care. most <laughs> <laughs> of run around and pull some bullshit out of his ass? Like. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> there's a, he has issues with technique, which means that he didn't get the production he needed, and there's a little bit of Worry about his uh, personality. Uh, some incidents occurred uh, where he fell. Is it? Did he fall off the balcony, or is that just?
0: Yeah, that was him. I yeah. think he came off the balcony, and they were like, "What were you doing?" He's like, "Nothing." <laughs>
1: yeah. So and they found synthetic marijuana. In so there are obviously characters. She's there, but for a team in the lower first, or perhaps if he's unlucky in the top of the second round, this is the kind of player who has all the prototypical physical dimensions that you would want. For someone like uh, a Geno Atkins or Sharif Floyd, who can make disruptive plays from the inside, who can collapse the pocket, there's issues there. There's definitely character issues. There's definitely some issues with technique. But if you're looking for if you're looking for a project who could really be like a disruptive in like later year one, year two for a team who already has good defensive talent, I think he's someone you should ever take a look at.
0: Fair enough, Harry.
2: Uh tackles or ends who would you like on your line well let's just go with another tackle just i don't think the dns probably discuss afterwards maybe a bit it's interesting Kimpich is probably the most talented tackle but he's gonna fall because of those character concerns mm. he might not he might not go in the first which is weird but somebody's gonna get an absolute bargain on him and if he oh, can yeah. if he can uh, avoid uh, josh gordoning himself uh, i.e <laughs> doing very little wrong but getting banned forever he'll be he'll be good um I think because of that sort of, again, those concerns about him, I think that Sean Robinson is going to be the probably the first defensive tackle off the board. He plays in Alabama. We've seen Alabama produce a great lineman and Nick Saban. Um, he's just a big, strong guy. He's a fantastic run-stuffing tackler. He's a guy who can just clog up the middle and just prevent guys from breaking outside or getting past him. And that's what, again, this is the most important thing you need. He can also generate a pretty good push against the, against the pass, so he's got good strength, and he's got good technique there. He hasn't played a huge amount, which could be in his favour or could not be in his favour, you know, mm. maybe he hasn't been put through the full uh mill that we sometimes players are in college, but um he does have the strength and power to do that. Now there are some concerns about him in terms of like what would he do again facing more uh complex blocking schemes than he's seen mm. and there are some issues with like how he holds his body in terms of getting leverage and generating what he needs to. This is a guy who, again, I know i said this before, it's so boring, like, but he's a guy, when you've got a guy who does that really solid stuff well on the line, be it offensive or defense, that's the guy you think you can coach up very easily and get to that next level. And I think he's just got those physical talents and he's got that run-stuffing ability that I think is going to probably leave him being the first defensive tackle uh, off the board in this draft.
0: Now, I I had the similar stuff, but I I had him dropping down my board a little bit on the basis that he hadn't played as much. That I said, excellent, very flexible because he played across the line his time, great size and build, but his draft ability is based on physical potential rather than his college production. I only have him about three spots behind this guy on my board. I've got Sheldon Rankin from Louisville going ahead of him. The tape on this guy at the Senior Bowl Drills was something else. He destroyed everyone who came near and flattened them. Uh, Some people thought it was a potential problem. Because he seemed to be very angry. <laughs> very angry at all the boots. He's a big run stuffer who needs a bit of technique work, and his snap anticipation's not 100% there, but he's agile for a 300 pounder. Like, he is a quick guy. He had two interceptions, I think, last year, which is not really something you get from a 300 pound nose tackle all that often. He's got a good motor. I think he'll fit nicely into a four three as a tackle. Uh I don't think like he's too small really for people in 3 three fours to be looking at him, which cuts down his draft ability. But I think he's got the motor and he's got the physicality and he's got that kind of side to side flexibility for running kind of different different kind of crashing schemes and stuff that I think uh, I think that he's gonna do very well. That's said, I've only got him three places ahead of of uh, Robinson on
2: my board. Um, I like him I say, I say this is about the size thing. I know that's been a concern mm. about him. He, cause he's he's 6'1 just under 300 pounds mm. right. Um, Aaron Donald is 6 foot nothing and 285. <laughs> yeah, he's like... if they can teach this guy to pass rush a bit more effectively, oh, he could yeah. if he can work his agility, he could definitely be a no oh, that's of his agility. Yeah. Which <laughs> yeah, he could be he could be a really Really good player. So what have we have a we look now. We'll swing over to some DNs. We'll
0: try and fly through these a bit quicker because I know everyone loves line talk. That's DeFaris awesome. Buckner from Oregon because I, I know Fitz likes the easy ones so I'll give Fitz, Joey, Bosa. <laughs> DeFaris <laughs> Buckner from Oregon. He's a 3-4 prospect. Something that stood out to me actually because he's the only one I think I've got before like twenty-eight on my list here that's actually played in the three four. Nearly all of them played four three. He led the Pac 12 in sacks in 2014. He's seven 290. Like he is a big and the height is actually an issue some people have. I think it might cost him a bit of leverage, but like he's got a motor, he's quick, he needs a bit of technique for getting off blocks, he's kinda of got two moves. He's a big physical monster, he's got the mindset, he's got that kind of ball sniffing ability. Sorry, oh my god! The ball ability <laughs> to let him lead the Pack twelve in sacks, but uh, ball siffing and sacks—like I just realized—we talk about the weirdest sport in the world. But uh, but yeah, DeForest Buckner, I have him going in the top ten. Fitz, go talk about Joey Bosa.
1: I think as the process has gone on, I think his stock has fallen a bit. Like at the beginning of this process, people were talking about him as a a top, like a number one, a potential number one, number two pick. I think his stock is starting to fall a little bit because he's a great player. He had good, he's had great production, but he, he lacks that little bit of physicality, that little bit of speed, twitchiness that people expect from that type of like the very top for a defensive prospect. Like he's, he's not the type of player where you're expecting him to turn into J.G. Watt or, or, or indeed someone like that. Based on everything that we know, you know, you're getting a good solid player both in the run and in the pass who should be able to be like who should be around with your team for a long time and you won't be disappointed with him but, but he'd he
0: make i think expecting... red flag of the fact he was turfed out of his last college game for targeting
1: i don't i don't think, i think there's very few prospects who don't have any red flags i think in this case i think people will be willing to ignore it because of the production that he had good Seahawks actor there <laughs> <laughs> I believe, like, in his final year, he effectively went into some kind of, like, uh, monk-like state, uh, to avoid the distractions of life. So it's, obviously so it's obviously a case where he knows what's necessary to be an elite prospect. And, and, and like, the fact that he's taken that step is, is probably a useful sign. Like, I think the, the only issue against him is that, does he have that, like, monster physical, like, speed and potential to dominate a defensive line, like an Aaron Donald or, like, a J.J. Watt in the long run? We'll have to see. Mm. But I think if you get him expecting a good, solid defensive end who can contribute from day one, the hype that he had at the beginning of the process has died down a bit, so I think he'll be a more reasonable pick at this mm. point. No, than of kind of. What
2: well, about yourself, Harry. Uh, I'm going to go with somebody a little more interesting. Uh, and somebody who I think you as a Chief side might find your connection. is Noah Spence. Oh, yes, yes. Uh, speaking of people with discipline issues, right? Lit- I've literally, at the end of my notes on him, it says,
0: Justin Houston, anyone?
2: Yeah, he's... He has so much potential, unreal physical ability and is smart from what I can see the way he plays. Um, obviously there's alcohol stuff, the criminal stuff, whatever. Like, yeah, this happens. And obviously that's going to be a flag for teams uh, in the same way as, as we discussed earlier with everyone. You look at a guy who like pursues, he goes to the play. He, again, we say he slips out the ball. He's that kind of player. This guy, he recorded, I think, 11.5 sacks, 22.5 tackles for a loss. Like He's got a phenomenal talent. He's fast as well as strong. He, If you look at the way he reads the angles he needs to take in the game, which actually something like, some guy like Bosa doesn't do too well sometimes. Mm-hmm. He's got that sort of footballing brain you can see. It's not a case of, can he put it all together? Because this guy is clearly on the cost of putting it together as well as a college player can mm-hmm. in terms of his physical ability and how he can do it. The only question is all of the drugs, he was banned from the Big Ten, the alcohol, the arrests. Yeah. Can he get the right mindset to not do those things in the NFL? And I mean it's a bit harsh obviously to turn around and be like that when so many so many players do it. But if you're gonna take a first round pick on somebody, you want to think they're not gonna be charged out of the league after a season yeah. or two. Now, he's sort of behaved himself mostly for the last while and I think has put a lot of effort into sort of rebuilding his reputation over the last year, mm. which is is good to see. Um he got a second chance because of his talent and I think that talent is probably gonna shine through above and beyond anything else, particularly with obviously rookie, the rookie pay scale now. It's not as huge a risk as it used to be. No, of course. But like he's got he's got the capacity to grow into one of the best outside rushers in this in this draft.
0: Oh, yeah, big time. Um, so I suppose we'll, we'll, we'll transition to the next layer of the defense. So we're going to look at linebackers. Uh, we'll probably just stick to one because linebackers, there's not a huge amount of them sitting up in the top. There's one I want to chat about just before we start talking about prospects because this guy is a prospect, but I find it a very interesting storyline. Uh, Jalen Smith from Notre Dame. Very interesting, he's suffered an ACL injury and will probably miss the entirety of his rookie season, all of 2016, but he's still coming into the draft and people still expect him to be bottom of the first, top of the second because he's that freaky an athlete. Is it strange at this day and age with the worries about injuries and everything that people are still going, oh, look this guy might miss an entire season but it's worth probably either the top of the second round... For to pick this guy up when he's going to spend the first year recovering, you're not sure if he's going to have the same speed and and skill like he does. He's made up great reaction speeds, great football IQ, a massive, massive tackler. Like occasionally lost it in pass coverage, but was just a monster in the game, as, as clearly shown by he doesn't have one of his legs, and they still reckon he's a first or second round talent. Have, have you guys read much about this guy? Have you seen much of his tape or anything?
2: I've um, seen a bit, and what? impresses me is his ability to move his for such a big strong guy his he can change direction he gets to the edge like he knows what moves to make to get around guys and get them into the right position to get leverage and yeah he is a, a monster and in the end of the day yeah he's injured he's going to miss the season look I mean you're always taking a risk on playing your player not getting injured so it's not like it's like a I know it's kind of weird, but it's not like it's a sure thing that they're going to make it. No, of course. This guy, you know what? Sure, didn't, I, didn't I read you
0: out the list of the players? He, oh no, that
2: was fifth. I read no? fifth out
0: a list list of the first round players from the twenty twelve the, the, the year the
2: Chiefs had the first overall pick. Read through the list, and he's like, "Oh, okay, so like three of those guys are good." Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like I mean, you see that. So what you're looking at here is it's yeah, it's a, it's still a gamble. It's a label, and when you talent always speaks in the end in these situations, and I think that's what we're going to see with Smith. Like every pick is a gamble. This is worth it. And yeah, okay, the teams who are absolutely right now need it, aren't gonna be able to take him, but as a pick for a team that's already relatively well set, this is perfect, especially if he falls into the second. Oh that's it, like
0: But yes, yeah, so I suppose Fitz, do you want to tell us about Miles Jack? <laughs> or do you have yeah, a do well, you have another linebacker
1: you'd like to tell us about? Well no, if you're gonna invite me, I <laughs> It thematically fits when we're talking about the effect that injury has on a prospect's draft chances. Obviously, Miles Jack is going off a meniscus tear, uh, which is a very variable type of injury. And like the way, like the medicals in his case will probably play a large part in terms of how his draft uh, stock ends up going. Like in terms of his actual play, he's, he's kind of considered to be you yeah, like a top end player in terms of, in terms of his actual technique and his willingness to play the game. He's very good. The knock on him is obviously his size. He's seen as one of these tweener players. Yeah. Kind of traditionally end up getting knocked down the draft board because of that. The thing is, like, that probably means that his best position might be as a, an OLB in a 4-3, which just isn't that high on the draft uh, yeah. position. Try to make an OLB in 3-4. In I don't think he has the physicality uh, that to make that. To be a, like a full-time starter, not maybe on nickel downs, but not as a full-time starter. I think he, like, just because of those physical aspects, he probably won't do that. But there's, it's no knock against his game, no knock against effort, no knock against what he's done. Like, he, he showed in college that he's an incredibly great player, he's a great chaser of yeah. the ball. <laughs> Unfortunately, NFL economics value certain things over other things, and physicality and size of the line spot is one of those things. I think for a team who gets 4-3 and puts them in the will spot, I think they'll be very happy with what they get but I think he may be a little bit disappointed where he ends up in the draft uh, this year due to those injury and size concerns.
0: Yeah, equally, I'm going to take a chap who's in a position that normally isn't valued as highly, but I think it's going to go in the first round. Uh, inside linebacker, uh, Reggie Ragman from Alabama. This boy is big as well. He's 6'2", 252. Could you imagine that hitting you? It'd be like a freight train. Uh, <laughs> but he's a SEC defensive player of the year last year. Uh, very strong. We're working a 3-4 or 4-3 as a good strong inside man more of a run blocker than coverage guy he tends to look downfield not so he can miss coverages but like plays hard to the whistle he hits like a brick shithouse uh, that would be fun like inside linebackers have somewhat fallen out of favour of late but like the value you can get from a good inside linebacker to just shore up your run defence and then allow pressure from the sides and support from your back end I think uh, Reggie Ragland is going to be a very valuable player to whoever picks him up Uh, So I suppose, yeah, let's have a look at these. I'm going to be honest, lads. I don't have a pure safety making it in the first round at all. I've got corners who could possibly transition and stuff. I don't have anyone who's a pure safety in here. I'll give you the names of the five I'm looking at, and I'll let you jump in if you want to add anyone or chat about any of the guys here. In order on my list, I've got Jalen Ramsey, Vernon Hargraves III, Mackenzie Alexander, Eli Apple, and... uh, William Jackson going on. So, Florida, Florida, Clemson, Ohio, Houston. We'll give you
2: a shade at this one. So, son, you get to go first. I do. Okay, I'm going to steal Fizzle's one then. I'm going to talk about Jalen Ramsey. Mm. Uh, so, now this has to talk about something more interesting. <laughs> I just want to talk about Joey Bosa again. <laughs> <laughs> We're moving, moving to safety. Uh, look, I, this is, I'm going to go out on a limb here. I think that Jalen Ramsey might... The one of if not the most talented players in the draft like whether, he's, whether he projects at corner or safety I think it's looking like it's going to be corner at the moment Yeah, this is a guy who is physical he's got the ability to play press straight off the board you need to take me see teams uh, take towards the top end of the draft with weaker backfields not just in terms of their skill level but also physically he's a guy who can do that he can change direction quickly. He can shadow guys. He's ferocious in, contest- in jumping for mm. contested balls. This is what you want. Like, I mean, you look at this and you're like, there's not a huge amount, for particularly for rookie corners, and corners do often, it's one of the positions where it can be quite difficult for them to transition to mm. the NFL. There's not a huge amount you can say against against this guy. And yeah, he's going to have some of the problems when he comes up against bigger, more uh, talented receivers than he has in college. But that's true of everyone. Mm. This guy, and he's also sorry, he's also a very good tackler, I should point out as well. He's he can play pursuit as well. The only knock I've seen really against him is the running against like quick slant routes, he not be quickest to move laterally to mm. catch up with receivers in those positions. This guy has so much potential to play not only like to play all of the aspects of cornerback, but a guy who on top of that is a ferocious ball because well. a guy who can get the ball to stick to his hands, so not only can he cover guys, this is a guy who can make plays as well. Um, when you look at what he's done in college and what he's been able to do to not only jam guys at the line, to shadow them, to be able to make plays down the field, mm. like, you just, i like, I know this is sounds so, like, over the top, but genuinely, from a guy coming out of college into the pros, I don't know what more you could want from a defensive back. I oh, really, yeah. really don't.
0: And that's the thing as well, like, there is that there is that safety element as well of, he projects to be potentially an incredible corner, but we already know as well that he could definitely play as a very good safety. Yeah. So even if there was a problem, even if there was an injury, even if there was a slowdown or a transition stuff, like he's still going to be able to be a starting safety on a team, which is a great like extra to have for a player with the kind of
1: upside that he has. Um, Fitz, what about yourself? Who would you be taking? So I'll talk about Haragree, uh, and like this is a kind of like basically he's kind of seen uh, a quick twitch athlete like who basically. Uh, like plays with athleticism, who plays, who who can like basically overwhelm the kind of lesser opponents, uh, lesser opponents, and competes with everything he has. He's a smaller cornerback, and obviously as a Seattle fan, that's the kind of thing where it's unlikely, even if he dropped all the way down there, that he would make it there. But obviously in the past that we've seen that those kind of smaller cornerbacks do there, like like especially because in the last few years we have seen a move towards uh, more speedy uh, what like wide receivers, partly in response to the emergence of these larger cornerbacks um so i think like you have someone here who is kind of smaller uh but incredibly competitive so what you're kind of hoping there is that the competitiveness is sufficient that his ability to get to the ball his ability to make plays will overcome what is obviously a problem because when they're up against the very elite wide receivers they do have the kind of physicality where a good cornerback even if they're very good can be beaten by that type of player.
0: And uh, yeah, like I've I I've similar stuff here, and I also said, like one of the knocks I've seen against him is that he kind of he occasionally plays the ball more than he should. But like like I said, I that was a knock on Peters, and i seen that I think he did quite well this year. So I suppose I had one sat in the middle, that I wasn't sure about of uh, Mackenzie Alexander from Clemson. But again, because similar to what you said, the height thing is a problem. I have he's interesting because he had no interceptions in college at all. But it's because teams stopped throwing against him. So that's normally a good sign. (laughs) Uh, Which is weird. So it's just that kind of like implied production. But yeah, like Eli Apple is the one that I'm very interested in. Um, Not only because there's a potential for him to slip to the Chiefs and I could see them taking him. He's... Very engaging player, will fight down the field, Uh, loves tackling, doesn't have a problem with it at all. I've got a big note to him, he'll need to relax his hands in the NFL or penalties will fly. He fights very physically, Uh, so probably a good match for replacing Sean Smith. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But uh, yeah, what I've got then is uh, good size, good speed, but needs a lot of polish. Like, he's a scrapper, but he's not a finished product. Uh, And I don't necessarily see that as the worst thing, I think. Guys who come out as finished products sometimes take less well to coaching. They feel that they've made it when they get to the NFL rather than seeing it as a continuum. We've seen it with a lot of prospects over the years. But, uh, yeah, I'm very interested in Eli Apple moving forward. And then uh, we've only got one last one to
2: talk about. Harry wants Uh to discuss some special teamers. I do. I do. And uh, I just want to – you know, I think it's worth discussing because it's it's quite in this day and age anyway after we've seen it in the past – Sebastian Janikowski, or whoever that punter was that the Jags took ahead of Russell Wilson. Um, it's unusual to see kickers and special teamers go uh, in the early rounds. In fact, other than kickers, it's really never seen to go in the early rounds. But there's been discussion about, um, uh, and this one I am going to pronounce wrong, Roberto Aguayo, I think? Aguayo. 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 It's close. I, I
0: don't know. I heard it pronounced three different ways today. You made me watch fucking tape of a fucking kicker, right? Uh, I say you made me. You said you wanted to talk about this kicker, so I looked at tape of a kicker. Wow.
2: Well, I I really admire your dedication. Uh, Thank you, Connor. It's unusual to see people discussing taking a kicker early, um, even second or third round, which is what's being discussed. This guy has... I think he's never missed from under 40 yards. Yeah. He's... Shown that he can make them from from longer distances, although had an inconsistent over his seasons in terms of how well he's yeah, done. Yeah, yeah, he had, he had
0: one season I think where he missed five, yeah. and then he's missed a sum total of seven over three year
2: Exactly. Yeah, I think I think it. he only missed one field goal last year, but I think in his junior year he missed five from long range. Yeah. But it, clearly, he's he's cleaned up that part of his game. Uh, he's got a very high uh, very high touchback percentage again, which speaks to a guy having a mm. strong leg, which is what you need, and that's a. Um, that's a good percentage of increased year on year as he's gone through his college career. Right. So you can see he's been working on his technique and working on his strength. Like, you have a problem in the league for a couple of teams we saw when kickers got injured this season. The backups brought in were not of quality. And we saw some new some of the starters were, of were, were not, not of quality. Yeah. <laughs> okay. uh, how are the Jackson Steelers feeling? I don't know. But, like, this is the sort of guy who, you know, you can draft him. Kickers are cheap. And he could stick around for 10-plus seasons and just mm. be your solution there. Who do
0: you think would be the person? Because I've seen him projection for, like, third, fourth round. Who do you think are going to be the team to pick him up? Ooh, that's...
2: See, that's interesting. There's so many bits and bobs that could... Basically, his situation is, there's a team that... Well, there are multiple teams that have a need for him, but it is going to obviously come second to other needs, so it'll depend Mm -hmm. on who is still there at that point when we're going into into those rounds. I could see it being a team like Pittsburgh or like Jacksonville who have hmm. struggled to get production out of that position um, over over the last little while. But, like, I mean... It would be look so
0: at, fucking Jacksonville to pick a kicker in the third round. It would be
2: so Jacksonville to pick a kicker in the third round, but Jacksonville are actually looking like they might be okay this year. I think the way to look at it is is there are a few teams that are set at kicker that have their guy, that this is going to be their guy moving forward. Um, like, you are obviously you're... you're Kopskowski, I think Kyra Santos has settled in for you guys, Houska yeah. for the Seahawks, Brandon McManus, um, Blair Walsh, despite his miss, would be another example, Justin Tucker, you've got loads of guys that, mm. but any team that doesn't have that and finds themselves in a position where the, they have a need but the guy that can fit that need isn't isn't that good or they, reckon they can wait another round for him, there's a whole bunch of teams that could jump on this guy. Mm. And even in third or fourth round, if you bring him in and have him have a competition with your kicker and he wins, great, he loses, oh well, you lost the third or fourth round pick. Yeah. Not that big of a deal, but he's definitely the one, the going one thing to be... that I
0: spotted as well, which is surprising, is that um, because because it all works on incrementals as well for minimum salaries. Like there are kickers out there that are costing four or five million dollars, and these guys will cost nine hundred thousand to yeah. a million. It doesn't seem like much, but if you think four million could be the difference between having a fill-in at left guard and having you know a good free agent in at left guard, uh, it can make a big bit of a difference to the team long term. Uh, I want to talk about a special teamer as well. Oh, I found that there is Nathan Theus, longstapper <laughs> out of Georgia, who is projected for the seventh bottom of the seventh round. It's the only longstapper projected, and I can see why. He ran a four nine four forty at his workout. That is the only thing he did.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he
0: kept chasing, chasing the punts. It's, uh, it's good. But look now, you want to talk about destiny? His hometown is Jacksonville.
2: <laughs> oh, There you go. It's a big boy, does,
0: six uh, six three two forty three, and he can run a four nine four. I can see why he's seventh round material.
2: Does does Fitz have to talk about a punter now? Get oh, go on, Fitz. Get the set. Go on, Fitz. Get a punter. Uh boom, boom, stashes. Boom, stashes eligible. Kickalicious. What?
1: Are there any actual punter? Uh,
0: There's one projected for the fourth and fifth round called
2: Tom Hackett out of Utah.
1: Tom Hackett? Yeah. What's what's this guy got? He's an Australian,
2: I think, actually. There's a few Aussies in the draft this year. I think he's one of them. Won the top punter two years in a row. Holds a skill record with 65 career
0: punts of 50 yards or more and four punts of over 70 yards. Jeez, that's actually quite good. There you go. (laughs)
1: <laughs> oh wow
0: because he's in the fourth round they actually give us strengths and weaknesses he apparently really? he lacks the ideal athleticism for fakes oh, oh my god although he has this. successfully converted all three of his career rushing attempts for first downs there you go
1: oh, I remember that like really long article about the Ravens punching how he was like revolutionizing yeah. oh yeah Sam yeah no, do not pick punters. Do not I know,
0: pick punters. Hang on, punters. right.
2: He has a quirky personality yes, that some Jackson. clubs won't appreciate in an NFL locker room. Oh, I love scout reports. They're so oh. bizarre. Like, I, I only thought you were going to talk about a punter just because you can. Um, the one to talk about is Nick O'Toole because he had a sweet moustache for a while. And was nicknamed <laughs> Boomstache because he could kick the ball really far. He actually can't kick the ball that far. Uh, but had a really sweet moustache. So that's, um, that's fine. Um, yeah, I don't draft a punter. That's a pretty solid device. Mm. Uh, I read a scouting report of my own for Laramie Tunsil. Oh right? yeah, yeah, this is very good. Uh, this was uh, earlier in the day when I was at work and had managed to do no research because I was stuck in meetings all day. Um, so I decided that I would just, just make up some stuff. So here is my, uh, here is my uh, <laughs> imagined scouting report on Laramie Tunsil. Laramie is a large man. He has sensuous hands, broad hips, and the legs of a Tyrannosaurus. He can generate push, and pull, but cannot move in diagonals owing to the isometric way he perceives the world. He once kissed me and never called me back.
0: So second round.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, very nice. Uh, that's my uh, that's my attempt at being a, a scout, and I'm still not as wrong as Nolan Rocky is. So I'm yeah, pretty confident about
0: that. So there's a few things that are going to be coming up. Uh, we're going to be doing a uh, we're going to be doing our mock draft. We're going to have a couple of guests in to pick there team's pl- their teams, players, we're going to do a full round, we're also then going to put up online our mock drafts, as we, uh, we have a bet every year as to who can uh, get the least wrong, I suppose it's probably the best way of putting it, and then we are currently planning, uh, we're working out the logistics of it, but we're currently planning to do a live cast of the draft from Dublin. All the several hours of it, and probably an hour or two of the pre-game. Uh, get people to call in. We'll probably set something up online so people can message us as we go. Uh, it will be truly horrifying. We've also got, there's a lump of us coming up for uh, the wrestling in two weeks' time. It's going to be a great time.
1: Wrestling. Or
0: sorry, Not even two weeks' time, Saturday week. Uh, we went to it last time, and it was hilarious crack. It's over-the-top wrestling down in the Tivoli Theatre, so you should all check it out if you're knocking around Dublin. Uh, apart from that, I suppose, uh, that's our bit of Draft analysis for now. Uh, obviously, firing questions, comments, all that kind of stuff. Uh, where do you think we're good? Where we're wrong? Like, do, do we Everywhere. pick? The, did we pick the wrong long snapper? Like, that's, that's <laughs> very important. Um, should we have boom stash, uh in the second round? No, I would <laughs> guess.
2: Um, I think he shaved it off, so definitely no. Ah, fair enough, man. Yeah. He doesn't even care about prostate cancer.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I suppose we'll wrap it up with that. Uh, we'll fire some stuff up over the next week or two, letting you know what the story is, guys. Uh, again, as always, thanks for listening. Uh, I suppose you know if you have made it this far, you need to reassess your life. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they were just careful the, they were all waiting for the long snapper pick. That's yeah. Uh, they just knew. I mean, so we need to—we need to advertise that whenever we're putting this out. Oh. Are like, what do they have to say about <laughs> the long snappers and punters who <laughs> will probably be free agents? i sure shit we drafted a long snapper last year I shouldn't be laughing yeah that's it's true bit, <laughs> but uh, I suppose that's bye from me bye from Harry goodbye and bye from Fitz
1: bye
0: we will chat to you all over the next couple of weeks uh, best of luck and run up to the draft